is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee, where the state unemployment office sent out a lot of money over the weekend, but still has a long way to go dealing with all the claims that have been filed. When the pandemic began, you had to meet all sorts of criteria and jump through hoops to be tested for COVID-19. But the governor says there are now enough test kits so that anyone who wants to be tested should do so. And if you work at a long-term care facility, you no longer have a choice. If the state shows up to test the staff, you cannot refuse. The governor travels to Fort Myers for another panel discussion with doctors who are trying to convince you it is safe to go to the hospital for routine problems that have nothing to do with COVID-19. Ron DeSantis, who has a brand new baby at the governor's mansion, says he's troubled by reports that people are not getting their kids vaccinated because they're afraid of taking them to a doctor's office. A North Florida man is suing the state because the website where you apply for a concealed weapons permit has been closed for the pandemic. Sure, you can still apply by mail, but Cliff Maloney, the president of a group called Young Americans for Liberty, says his rights are being violated because he cannot apply online. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with Florida man and Florida woman. One has a problem with fleas, the other with feminists. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, May 12th. First, the numbers behind the news. As of Monday, 40,982 people have tested positive for COVID-19 in Florida. 7,458 people have been hospitalized in the state. 1,805 have died. If you tried to log into the state unemployment website over the weekend, you were most likely disappointed. Governor Ron DeSantis says access was limited so the Department of Economic Opportunity could concentrate on vetting claims and sending payments to people who qualify. By the beginning of last week, there had been close to half a million unique claimants paid, and there had been over a billion dollars that had been paid out. Uh, but then we did hear some people say, hey, I've been in the queue. And so I asked the DEO to look at that. And I think what happened was there was just some of these folks uh, may not have had all the appropriate information. So they worked hard to be able to get that information. And I asked them, please, you know, process. So they processed 166,609 new claimants over the weekend. And so, the, so that's, a, that's a huge amount, particularly for this system. And uh, so over the weekend, you had 669,000 unique claimants, and they got uh, almost $450 million. And so I would just tell people, check the bank account as today goes on. There's a whole bunch of money going out uh, with direct deposits, and, um, and, and that's appropriate. We also extended the uh, waiver for doing the two-week uh, recertification till the end of the month. And we did that partially because even in phase one, it's not like the economy is 100% back. But then two, we really want to use the system to process as many payments as possible. And if you have 500,000 people going on just to do that, when we know they're probably still unemployed, uh, it's probably better to, to waive that uh, for the time being, further waive it, and really focusing on the processing. And so I think that to pay out almost $450 million in one weekend, um, I think, is, is much better progress. I mean, compared to where we were six weeks ago when the system was basically dead, uh, I, I think that that's the type of progress I want to see. I realize it's not 100%, but I think that, that we've come a long way. They may be processing more applications now, but they're also rejecting a record number of claims. Almost a third of those applications for unemployment compensation submitted to the state have been denied. That may sound bad, but Governor DeSantis says the rejection rate is usually a lot higher, which should tell you something about just how bad the system is even during the best of times. Just so people know, in a normal situation, the majority of people who apply for unemployment don't qualify. 
Now here, we do have, I think, clearly a majority, 60-some percent maybe, um, that if you don't qualify, so say you're like a gig employee, you would not qualify under Florida law. That's just the way it goes. But you would qualify under CARES Act. So you should get pushed for the $600 automatically. Now, if you don't qualify for either, then there's this PUA, which is kind of pandemic relief for people not tied to them necessarily having lost a job. Um, and that the money was only recently given to the states. Uh, so that's in the process of being uh, being pushed out. And so I'm going to uh, I'm going to ask DEO to put out uh, some more information on that so people have it. But that would be something if you don't qualify for unemployment, uh, but you still need some relief. That is what that CARES Act money uh, is for. Now, uh, what I think one of the things um, you know that, that we've seen with with some. So first of all, some of the applications that people have done, employers have contested and said people had left the job and then were not fired. And then there's others where we've not found social security numbers. So I would just tell people, you know, if you're applying, just make sure you put a social security because like if you don't have the social security number, there's no way the employee, the application can be verified. You know, it's amazing because, you know, the, the federal supplement to this is, is significant in terms of what these benefits typically would pay. It's, uh, it's, um, um, you know, more than you would typically do under normal situation. So we've got people applying from foreign countries who've never even been to Florida. We've got people applying from other states who've never, that we can tell, have ever even worked in Florida. So there's just a lot of things that you have to go through in terms of fraud detection. So if you have that Social Security number, then it makes it a lot easier. Um, one of the things I had the DEO folks do uh, this weekend was to make sure that they were more quickly processing people in terms of uh, making a monetary determination that had been holding some people up. I said, you got to do it quicker, and they did do it quicker, and we were able to push through a lot of folks. So, I mean, we're looking at now, um, I mean, we are, we're going to be close to $2 billion, I think, as we continue to process um, uh, over the week, and, and the bulk of that is probably in the last four weeks, once the system got a little bit better. It may be better, but almost 700,000 Floridians are still waiting on a paycheck. When he's not making excuses for the unemployment system, Governor DeSantis spends a lot of time talking about testing. Remember when that was limited to older people with symptoms because there just weren't enough test kits to go around? Well, DeSantis says there's now enough for everyone, even if you don't have symptoms. We can accommodate a lot more than people are showing up. We're typically seeing between 4,500 and 5,000 people come through all our sites. Uh, so if people want to be tested, this is certainly one avenue that you can go. And we'd encourage people to want to come out uh, and be tested. It's important to have access to testing throughout the state, which we've worked really, really hard on for the last couple months. Uh, we, we do have sites in, in most of the areas, uh, certainly with the popul any populated area uh, at this point. Uh, but we just need more people uh, to want to go out uh, and get tested. And look, maybe just people don't feel sick, which is a great thing. Uh, but if you're, even if you don't feel symptoms, if you think maybe you were in contact with someone who, who has tested positive or you just feel a need to, uh, we, we would encourage you to, to come out and, um, and to get tested. Testing is also a priority in nursing homes and adult living facilities where 714 residents and staffers have now died of COVID-19. 
Testing is also a priority in nursing homes and adult living facilities, where 714 residents and staffers have now died of COVID-19. Testing inside those facilities is so crucial that Agency for Healthcare Administration Secretary Mary Mayhew has issued emergency orders allowing them to test staffers at those facilities, whether they like it or not. I have 50 National Guard teams, four-man strike teams. They're going around and they're testing these long, at these long-term care facilities. We have had some who have not wanted to be tested, and our view is, and Secretary Mayhew issued a rule, is if you're a staff member, you're working at one of these facilities, you need to get tested uh, because that's how it's being brought in, asymptomatic staff members. Sometimes staff will visit different facilities or different wings within the same facility so to, to say you're not going to get tested. So that is required if, if there's testing available to do it. Um, and so those National Guard teams have done a lot of tests. We're going to keep on doing a lot of tests. We did start the mobile RV, which has a 45-minute rapid test. So they are now going, and it's a hub-and-spoke model, where they'll go to a community. They'll have different uh, nurses and healthcare workers uh, go to different facilities, collect samples, bring them back, run them through the machine, and you get the results back on the same day. So that debuted last week. That's going to be going across communities in Florida to continue to be uh, really on offense when it comes to testing at long-term care facilities. The names of 11 more residents who used to live in long-term care facilities were added to the list of fatalities on Monday. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed is being sued over concealed weapons. Her agency runs the Concealed Carry Permit Program, but they stopped accepting online applications back in March when the governor closed state offices because of the pandemic. You can still apply for a permit by submitting applications and fingerprints by mail or through the county tax collector offices. But Cliff Maloney of Okaloosa County says not good enough. His lawsuit claims Commissioner Freed is infringing on his rights by making it more difficult to obtain concealed weapons licenses. He wants a court to order the Department of Agriculture to resume accepting applications online, but Freed says that won't work while her offices are closed for the pandemic. Florida's new budget is still on hold, and the governor says it will remain that way until the feds figure out another round of stimulus payments designed to bail out state governments. We receive money from the Federal CARES Act. We obviously are looking to, to, to get our economy uh, back up on its feet, which I think will be important. And, um, and so we're monitoring the collections. We also are looking to see what's happening in Washington, D.C. Uh, I specifically have put off uh, accepting the budget or looking at the budget because uh, I wanted to see how all this went. I remember we started doing 15 days to stop the spread, and that was not, that was basically, I mean, there were some restaurant limitations, bars, all that, but I mean, it's supposed to be 15 days, and then it went into another 30. And so I think that that's caused a, a lot of problems throughout the country. In Florida, I think we've mitigated it more uh, because of the approach that we've taken. And so perhaps we'll have an ability to bounce back. At the same time, some of these, uh, some of these revenues are, are driven by things like tourism. And, and that obviously is, is taking a hit. And that's really not going to be about whether government says you can do it or not as much as it's going to be about public confidence. So, so we'll look at all that and see. And then once I get a sense of, What's going to happen with with Watt in D.C., which they are going to do something, I think, for states this week. Uh, then I'll have to look at the budget and, and make those decisions at that time. But uh, I don't think it, it wouldn't have been appropriate for me to have signed a budget knowing that we were going to have, uh, you know, this this un, these uncharted waters. But it's also now that we're in uncharted waters, 
I should see what are all my tools to deal with it, and I do think that you're going to see an effort on part of the federal government to, to help with some of these states. Unfortunately, Florida is a state that is, um, uh, had been healthy going into this, and so whatever is done for some of these other states, you know, if that's done for us, you know, that's going to make it, make it much better. So stay tuned on all that. Hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to figure out where we're going to go. I don't think we're going to need to do a special session for the rest of this fiscal year, uh, but I think obviously looking at next year's budget, really going to determine, be determined on what, uh, 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 you know, what we're looking at in terms of economic recovery, but then also uh, what type of uh, a federal assistance that we get. State lawmakers approved the $93 billion Florida budget back in mid-March, but the governor hasn't officially accepted it yet, which gives him more time to decide on line-item vetoes. Next up on Sunrise, a deep dive on a key part of Florida's economic recovery, namely getting hospitals back to business as usual. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. Florida Hospital Association members are safe, ready, and equipped to care for all Floridians. As our hospitals resume elective procedures, ensuring the safety and well-being of our patients, employees, and communities remains our first priority. Contact your local health care provider for information on visitation policies, access restrictions, and how to get needed care safely. Please visit the Florida Hospital Association at fha.org COVID for more information. Welcome back to Sunrise, the unofficial home of Dr. Ron's old-time medicine show. In the week before he lifted his stay-at-home order, Governor DeSantis held several press conferences in different cities with teams of doctors to say they were ready to reopen for non-COVID care, the sort of things people have been putting off because they didn't want to risk exposure to coronavirus patients. But people still have their doubts, so the governor's doing it again. During a press conference at Lee Health in Fort Myers, DeSantis said he's worried people have been delaying vital medical care, including vaccinations for their children. I've been to so many hospitals during this time, met with so many great physicians and and hospital executives, and I can tell you these are very safe places to be. Uh, If you're having health problems, uh, one of the things that people notice, not just in Florida but around the country, is when the pandemic hit in March, you started to see a huge reduction in people going in with heart problems, stroke symptoms, and most people don't think that those all of a sudden disappeared. It was people were concerned about going in a medical environment given the, the advent of the coronavirus. Uh, and I have not talked to a single physician uh, that would recommend not coming in if you're experiencing those types of symptoms. Um, if you need medical attention, this is a safe place to be. Come in here, see the doctors, uh, and, and keep yourself healthy. Uh, very, very important. And I would also say for parents, one of the things that we've noticed is a decline in the immunizations for children. Uh, the Surgeon General of Florida is a pediatrician. It's something that he will bring to my attention often because we have seen measles outbreaks in, in different parts of the country just before all this started. And so if you're not keeping up on that, um, that's a problem. And so follow that immunization schedule, continue to do it. It's safe to do it. Um, it's the right thing to do. Dr. John Mihalik is an orthopedic surgeon at Gulf Coast Medical Center. He says people are still afraid of going to the hospital, but that is beginning to change. We had a lot of uh, fear across the spectrum within the community as far as whether they would want to access even private health offices, access the emergency room, access um, the hospital. And uh, it seems as people are becoming more comfortable with the data, more comfortable with where the virus is, that people are beginning to seek out more care, and that seems to be 
uh, apparent by the volume of patients we're seeing in the office and the response we're getting from patients when we're contacting them, letting them know that their semi-urgent surgery uh, that could be delayed now uh, can be done since the elective uh, surgery ban has been lifted. So we're, we're now moving to a phase where I would say we still do have some people in the community. Uh, maybe they're at-risk individuals. Maybe they've had some exposure. Uh, maybe they have some other fears uh, who are still somewhat afraid, but that, the pendulum has clearly swung in the opposite direction by this point. Hospitals had been ordered to postpone any elective surgeries when the pandemic began to free up space for COVID-19 patients. That order ended more than a week ago, but some people are still holding off. Dr. Charles Bisbee is a gas passer, the chief of anesthesiology at Lee Health, and he says elective procedures are still important, especially if you're the one who needs the surgery. I just saw a patient today who uh, just had a hernia that needed to be repaired. And talking about urgent and emergent situations becoming more necessary as time goes on, he has a wife that uh, is somewhat of an invalid, and he has to lift her frequently, and the uh, hernia was getting worse and worse. And so he expressed to me today as a, in the preoperative area how happy he was to finally be able to get this surgery done. So I think we're seeing this across the board, that patients want to come and have the surgery done. It's not unnecessary surgery. It's surgery that needs to be done, and they've waited a long time to have it done. 7,458 people have been hospitalized in Florida for coronavirus since the pandemic began. But that's a lot fewer than the experts had predicted, which is why there is now room for non-COVID cases at Florida's healthcare facilities. Your calendar of events starts with the Suwannee River Water Management District Governing Board. They're meeting online at 9. The nominating commission for the 10th Judicial Circuit will interview candidates to fill an opening on the court that covers Hardy, Highlands, and Polk counties. Those interviews will be conducted by video conference beginning at 9. The Florida Department of Transportation will hold a 9.30 webinar of a task force that's working on a plan to extend the Suncoast Parkway from Citrus County all the way to the Georgia border. The Florida Citrus Commission meets by conference call at 10. The St. John's River Water Management District Governing Board meets at 10 in Palatka. Now, if you want to speak, you'll have to phone it in because attendance in the meeting room will be limited to staff because of coronavirus. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is scheduled to release an updated forecast for the citrus growing season at noon. And the Florida Gateway College Board of Trustees meets by conference call at 5. Finally, it's time to check in with Florida Man, who has a problem with feminists, and Florida Woman, who has a problem with fleas. A Florida man uses his Mother's Day sermon to unleash some hate on women. Preacher Adam Fannin of Law of Liberty Baptist Church in Jacksonville spent an hour denouncing feminism during his Sunday service. We boiled it down to 36 seconds. Are you ready? Feminists actually hate mothers. They hate families. Feminists hate babies and those that would choose to just give up their own life to have a baby. And they really ultimately it comes down to that they hate God. Feminism is a plague, and ultimately I think there's an agenda in feminism, and that is to criminalize manhood. They want to make it where men are snowflakes, they won't speak up, they won't, uh, they're, they're soft, they're effeminate, which by the way, being effeminate is a sin in the Bible. Feminism corrupts on the inside. It makes you an, uh, an evil person. It's not the first time Fannin said awful things about women and gender roles. He claims female preachers are daughters of the devil and stay-at-home dads are destroying the minds of children. But he's perhaps most famous for saying comedian Sarah Silverman deserved to die because of a joke she made in her 2005 stand-up comedy special, Jesus is Magic. 
And a Florida woman is arrested after deputies discover a child covered in fleas in a home littered with dog poop. Officials at the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office say the six-year-old locked 58-year-old Tony Reed out of the house in Fort Walton Beach and was hiding in the closet when officers arrived. There were three dogs in the home and deputies say they were swarmed by fleas when they walked in. Flies, dog feces, and urine were found throughout the home. There were also several knives in the kitchen where the kid could reach them. Reed is charged with child neglect. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.